Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Grain by Train podcast for Grain Week 44, where we discuss how rail service performance is impacting the movement and export of Western Canadian grain. I'm Greg Northey from Pulse Canada, and I'm joined by Milt Poirier of QGI Consulting, who manages the Ag Transport Coalition, a consortium of agriculture groups that produce data and reports on rail service and performance. How are you doing today, Milt? Very good, Greg. How are you? Pretty good. So we've uh, just released the week... 44 report. Uh, we'll go through quickly that because we're definitely seeing a trend in, in performance. And then I think uh, our plan here today is to give a bit of a, an outline on the on the various reports that the ATC puts out. So obviously week to week, we we talk about the, the weekly performance report, but we also publish daily reports and just wanted to take the opportunity to discuss uh, some of the different reporting that the ATC does uh, for those interested in this particular subject. Before we get to that, though, Milt, um, what were you seeing in week 44? Much of the same, actually, on, and that's a positive statement. Uh, CN and CP uh, continue their good performance again in week 44. Um, matter of fact, identical to the performance we saw in week 43, I believe. Um, both railways with strong order fulfillment performance, 97% and, and up. Um, in addition to good top line numbers for both railways, when we dig into the numbers, the performance is very good and even across uh, individual corridors. So there's, you know, supplying Thunder Bay just as well as they're supplying the West Coast, which is a good thing. Um, and lastly, on a provincial basis, you know, as we would expect when system performance is that good, you would expect that to translate down to the provinces. And in fact, it did. Um, was good across the board, both railways in all three prairie provinces. The worst performance we saw, which wasn't bad at all really, was uh, in Alberta for CN, where they had a bit of a hiccup in the Vancouver Transload Corridor, and uh, overall performance was 94%, but that was the worst that we saw at a provincial level this week. Yeah, pretty good numbers across the board. Um, now, obviously, one of the things I think we're going to get into this on on a, on a podcast uh, coming up to, over the next few weeks is we still do are seeing some real problems, supply chain problems within the containerized uh, supply chain. It's something that the ATC, we, we sometimes can see it, but at the moment, uh, you know, our shippers who are moving containerized grain are having a lot of trouble getting export containers, a lot of costs being driven into that supply chain. So I think we'll do a, a bit of a, a deep dive on that as we go forward. Um, but one thing we did want to get into today is the ATC reporting and, and the actual, you know, who is the ATC and, and what was the, what are some of the products that the ATC produces? So, so the ATC has been around for close to 10 years. Uh, it's a consortium of agriculture groups, uh, both grower groups, as well as uh, shippers. And so it's unique in that sense in that um, a lot of uh, those in the industry came together at uh, all, all, basically all users of the rail system and, and, had a desire to get more uh, visibility into uh, the rail transportation system. So it really is the overriding objective of the group um, is to enhance transparency of railway network performance. And a lot of this is driven by at the time, or at least, especially if those of you who remember 2013, 14, when we had some really significant problems with, uh, with uh, the grain handling supply chain, a lot of problems with railway service. Um, we were only able to identify these problems anecdotally. And so the real drive after that point was how do we measure railway performance? How do we come up with some numbers and some metrics that, that can really give people a chance to, to look at what's happening and try and uh, drive some corrective measures either through policy or through commercial relationships. 
So it's since uh, evolved uh, over the years, uh, and we have several different reporting streams. So Milt, uh, maybe you can give a bit of a description on, on what the ATC is doing right now. Sure. Um, well, as you say, the, the overriding objective of the reporting that we do, and we do it in a couple of different streams, um, three, I guess I'll talk about today, two of them are very specifically designed for the grain industry. And then we do have a third one, which is a little bit broader, and I'll get into that um, in a few moments. But for the grain industry specifically, um, we do uh, weekly and daily reporting on um, railway performance, different aspects of railway performance, but um, targeted very specifically to grain and the participating shippers that we have in the ATC program. So on a weekly basis, you know, when we talk about the performance every week, this week we talked about week 44. So every week we produce uh, a performance report at an industry level and we produce a similar report for each of the participating shippers in the ATC program that looks at um, the performance of the railways uh, in the prior week. So at the end of week 45, we report on week 44 and, and so on. For this particular reporting stream, uh, a big focus of these reports, uh, and it is because it's very much at the forefront of, of the industry's mindset, is in what we call order fulfillment. Um, so, you know, in plain English, that's about the supply of hopper cars to shippers that they order by the railways. Um, the industry sees this as a, as a critical indicator of railway performance for their sector. And that's driven by the fact that the majority of the rail cars that are used by grain shippers are what we would call railway owned and or leased. So the railway supplies them from their own fleets as opposed to private cars, which some shippers do own and do operate on the rails network. So how well the railway uh, supplies empty hopper cars for loading for shippers um, is, a, is a key metric and, and typically tends to drive you know, overall performance for the grain industry. So in that arena, you know, we look at a couple of different things. We look at, are the railways supplying all of the cars that are being requested by shippers each week? Are they doing so in a timely manner? Are there, you know, significant levels of outstanding orders or what we sometimes refer to as carryover orders from week to week to week? Are they performing equally well across their respective networks? So in individual corridors, Thunder Bay versus Prince Rupert versus Vancouver, et cetera. Are they performing equally well in, in originating regions, you know, in the individual provinces? Are they performing at the same level for all shippers? Because we have quite a mix of large and small shippers. So we look at all of those things. In addition to that, that we also look at, you know, trends in demand. So what is the demand from shippers for railway equipment on a week-to-week -week basis? How does that compare to last year at the same time? What does it look like on a year-to-date basis, et cetera? And then we also look at, you know, other indicators, most prominently origin and destination dwell times. So how long cars are sitting at origin under load waiting for the railway and on the flip side at destination. So that's one stream of reporting. We do that every week. That report typically comes out on Friday afternoons. Um, and we do one for industry, which is broadly available to anyone who subscribes. 
Uh, and then we do individual uh, reports for shippers that allows them to see their own performance and to compare it against the broader industry performance against all of those metrics. The other stream that we have also focused um, specifically on the grain industry is what we call uh, the daily rail network status report. And this is uh, a more timely report, if you will. We put it out every morning, Monday to Friday. Um, and it looks at basically what is the state of the railway for grain shippers um, as of midnight the night before. And this is all driven by uh, movement data or, or car location messaging data, if you will, that ATC purchases um, for the shippers who are participating. And we transform that data and we turn it into, uh, you know, some fairly straightforward uh, reporting that allows uh, whoever's looking at the data. Uh, and this is, again, broadly available to anyone who wants to have access to it. Uh, as to how CNCP individually, because we look at them individually, are doing, you know? So we look at traffic volumes, which is loads on wheels. Are those numbers going up? Are they going down? Are they staying the same? We look at fluidity within individual corridors, which we measure on the basis of what we call idle car counts. So cars that have been sitting around under load for 48 hours or more that are not moving, because when you have those numbers build up, as we typically find out in the wintertime, they have a negative impact on overall network operations. The system tends to slow down, which then just ripples through and, and you know, tends to result in, in poorer service for shippers. We also look at port performance. Specifically, we look at Prince Rupert, we look at Vancouver, and we look at Thunder Bay. And we look at the number of cars that are being unloaded each day at each of those ports. And, you know, is, is, it, is the unload pace at the ports uh, matching the demand pace in the country? Um, and again, we, we compare that week to week and we look at trends over the previous eight weeks and all of those things together give us kind of a daily snapshot that tells us you know, is, is the network performing steadily? Are we seeing some deterioration? Are we seeing improvement? And it's really just intended to be, you know, um, a near real-time gauge that tries to identify developing issues um, for grain shippers. And one of its limitations, unfortunately, is that it only includes grain shippers. So we only get a partial view of the network, um, but, you know, it's what we have to work with at this time. Lastly, um, we also do do a report um, that is broader than grain, and we refer to it as the Rail Network Performance Report. It's a weekly report that we put out on Monday mornings, typically. Again, broadly available to anyone who would like to subscribe to it. And this is based on um, service and performance data that is reported by CN and CP um, to the federal government, Transport Canada, uh, based on regulations that were put in place a couple of years ago uh, with the passage of the Transportation Modernization Act, I think back in May of 2018, if I recall correctly. And the railways have a series of performance indicators that they are required by regulation to report on on a weekly basis. What we do, because data is publicly available, is we leverage that data and we have created reporting um, that looks at 
you know, in, in a slightly simpler uh, display, graphical for the most part, with some commentary that looks at the different performance indicators, things like train speed, um, things like cars not moving for 48 hours or more, dwell times in terminals, dwell times at origin. So similar indicators, but just reported from a different perspective. And we have the benefit of being able to see a broader cross-section of performance because it's not limited to grain. Yeah, thanks, Milt. And I think that that last one is really interesting. It's certainly within the grain sector, we're quite lucky to have our um, to have the ATC grain monitoring program. We have a lot of information for our particular supply chain. Um, going forward in the next few years, it's definitely going to be some thinking, especially with these these regulations coming in, as you mentioned from Transport Canada, of how you would create a complete picture using a lot of different commodities, um, as it's going to be important. So, like for instance, for the for the daily reports. How much more powerful would those be if we had, I mean, they're very useful now, but if we had uh, a, a wider range of commodities and being able to see the sort of fluidity of the supply chains? Oh, it would be immensely powerful. I mean, one of the, one of the problems, if you will, that we have right now is grain only represents about 20% of the traffic um, on CN and CP. So we're only seeing, you know, a small portion of the network and we can see how the railways are directly handling grain traffic, but what we can't um, see is how grain traffic is being impacted by other traffic for which you know, we don't have data. Um, so if you had the ability to see all of, or at least the majority of rail traffic moving across CN and CP's networks every day, you would have a much, much better understanding of how the network as a whole is performing as opposed to how the network is performing for grain traffic. I mean, it's important for the grain industry, don't get me wrong. Uh, and we did it specifically to meet the needs of the grain industry, but I think even the grain industry would argue that they would like to see a much broader view of the network, including all of these other commodity sectors, because when you run a business that is dependent on a service provider where shared assets are key to performance. And when I say shared assets, I mean train crews and locomotives and track capacity and terminal capacity. You know, everybody impacts somebody. So you might see something happen with grain, but you may not be able to understand why it's happening to grain because you can't see what's happening with all of the other commodity sectors. Yeah, and we, we have the ability to, to do this. We have the ability to, 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 to use what we've created for grain and extend it to other commodities. So it, it feels like a, an, an important thing to do. Um, and likely it's the kind of thing as we've, as we've experienced with the grain sector that um, to get the kind of measures and metrics and, and measurements you need for your supply chain, for the rail industry, you, you need to do it in many ways yourself, you can't necessarily rely on um, government to be able to, to do this data for you at the granularity you want. Um, you've looked at the, the regulatory modernization uh, regulations a little bit. Um, there's still a space that clearly, it seems like there's still a space here where, where industry is going to have to work together to try and make sure that, that you get a, a level of transparency on this that uh, that's potentially needed. 
Yeah, it, it, for sure. I mean, the, the, there's, there's a process currently underway that is going to result in, if, if you will, a revamping of those uh, service and performance metrics that are currently being reported uh, because they were initially implemented as, you know, quote unquote, transitional metrics while Transport Canada had the time to consult with stakeholders in the Canadian industry to determine, are these the appropriate measures? How could they be different? How could they be better? The, the existing measures really are based off uh, metrics that were implemented by the Surface Transportation Board in the States, you know, going on seven or eight years ago. So they were a good start, um, but they're not all necessarily appropriate to the Canadian context for one. And two, they're quite high level. So what's going on right now, which we anticipate is gonna be done sometime in 2022, should lead to much more detailed data available with respect to performance across different indicators and across more indicators. So it should provide a better view of performance. Having said that, there is significant value to being able to see this data in what we would call near real time. I mean, weekly reporting will give you uh, a sense um, of things that are developing, but not as good as if you can see it on a daily basis and start to establish patterns because by the time the railways report data, that performance is effectively nine to 12 days old. So, you know, problems have already developed and they're a problem. The hope with, you know, daily monitoring of, of the majority of the railways traffic would be that you would be able to see those patterns developing earlier um, and, and perhaps in more localized ways and which traffic they're impacting. And that's not something that we can see right now with the metrics that are in place. Yeah, and, and clearly really important for whether it's farmers or shippers who, who need, to, need to use the, the rail system to get the product out, uh, having that near real-time visibility on what's happening. Uh, to plan your supply chains, you know, very important. Well, thanks a lot, Milt. And for those of you who uh, would like to see the ATC reports, uh, www.agtransportcoalition.com. And as Milt mentioned, we do publish a report weekly based on the Transport Canada uh, metrics that are published that cover both grain and all the other commodities. Um, you can always contact us directly if you want to get on that mailing list. Uh, it's, it's available for anybody who'd like to see it. Uh, thanks a lot, Milt, and we'll talk to you all next week. Bye.